welcome to the Empathic Mastery Show. I'm your host, Jennifer Moore, and I'm so glad you're here. This is a place where we talk about what it means to be highly sensitive and empathic, how this impacts all aspects of our lives, and we explore tools, resources, and solutions so we can shift from absorbing all the thoughts, feelings, and energy of the world around us to being beacons for calm, love, and healing. Hey there, everybody. I have a really special treat for you today. I am interviewing the best-selling empath author, energy healer, visionary advisor, Sydney Campos. You guys, this is going to be awesome. So let me tell you a little bit about Sydney. Sydney is a visionary psychic energy healer, embodiment facilitator, and as I mentioned, best-selling author of The Empath Experience, What to Do When You Feel Everything, which we all know about, and also the recently released I Am Ascending, Now What? She is the founder of the Embodied Ascension Academy, co-founder and chief strategy officer of Ascend, and host of the Visionary Souls podcast, Sydney is devoted to creating heaven on earth in all moments. Since 2012, she has guided thousands of visionaries globally in embodying their true selves and powerfully living their purpose. Whether advising conscious companies, mentoring visionary leaders, training shamanic facilitators, or architecting the world's next social community, Sydney illuminates bridges into new dimensions. Sydney is a sought-after expert in the fields of embodiment, sexuality, intuition, and leadership. Sydney has been featured in Forbes, Mind Body Green, Refinery 29, Bustle, Pure Wow, and The New York Magazine. Oh my goodness, Sydney. <laughs> I am just delighted and thrilled to have you here. Welcome. Thank you. Yeah, it's an honor. Thank you so much. <laughs> Really my pleasure. So how about we start at the very beginning and just talk a little bit about what it was like for you as a young person or at what point, like when did you realize that you were an empath? I didn't realize until someone told me the word, you know, when I was yeah. like maybe 24, 25, I, at that point was living in New York city. It was a year sober and I just, you know, starting to feel everything finally after numbing out for the 10 years prior with drugs and alcohol. And so, you know, I was, I was sober, but I still felt kind of crazy and emotionally really unstable and just wasn't sure how I could operate, especially in a place like New York. I just felt so much anxiety and I, I didn't know what was wrong. I thought something was wrong with me. You know, my life looked good finally for the, you know, it looked good. I had a good job. I had a good community. I had should have been happy. And I just didn't understand why I still felt so much anxiety. And I had two different separate friends, like not related, direct me to the same energy healer. So I was mm. like, okay, let me go check out this woman. And, and she gave me my first Reiki session and it changed my life. And I just felt clearer than I'd ever felt. I didn't know that I could feel that way. I just felt clear. And she was the one that told me, you're an empath. You're sponging up all the energy around you. You have been for your whole life. And, you know, let's work together. I can help you. And oh. I started working with her and she just, it just changed my life. And having the word at that time to define 
what I was experiencing was very helpful because I really thought something was wrong with me prior to understanding, you know, the context of like, yeah, I'm sponging up all this other stuff. It's not even mine. It made so much sense. So much sense. So much sense. Well, and one of the jokes I heard a long time ago about recovery is, you know, they talk about when you get clean and sober, you feel better. What they don't tell you is what they really mean is you feel better as you have more capacity to feel than you did before. And um, because, you know, it's like if you've been numbing for the last 10 years, of course, everything is going to come up. I'm actually really curious. Um, you mentioned, you know, so you picked up, you started self, I'm imagining self-soothing with drugs and alcohol um, at probably the age of 14. But what was it like before that? Like, obviously, there was a reason that you started using. I'd love to hear a little bit more about that earlier point. Yeah, sure. You know, sometimes it's hard to really recall because I, I feel like the more embodied I, I get, the more I come in. It's, mm-hmm. it's like memory prior. It's like doesn't it just feels a little bit hazy. So yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's interesting. I was really disassociated for most of my life, which was also another coping mechanism to survive uh, a really chaotic, traumatic environment. And you know, a lot of us on, alive on the planet now, we came in to do some big cleanup. I would call it, you yes. know, this big yes. cleanup of our ancestral lines of our lineage. We're starting. It actually just came up in a session I was just facilitating for someone like. And it's come up a lot. Like we are literally here now to start a new lineage, like a new biology, new DNA, new energy system. It's a big deal. We're here for that. We're literally pioneering the new human template. And so like I'm sure a lot of people listening who have this awareness of their empathic abilities and maybe psychic abilities, all of those gifts were activated for me in, in a trauma response. You know, mm-hmm, like I, I mm-hmm. came, I, I came into this perfect family that I chose as a soul to teach me everything I needed to know to be who I am. And I'm so grateful for them. I I've been really challenged to like just deepen and so much gratitude for my parents because I I just love them and to see them as the perfect humans they are and and mm-hmm. how and how they really tried their best with what they had, you know, to to love me and and take care of me. And and even still, I really didn't get the support that I needed. Right. There was a feeling of no one was there. Nobody yes. was paying attention. Nobody, I didn't feel safe. I didn't know if I really existed. I didn't have attunement in a present embodied being to develop, you know, health in a healthy way to develop a healthy nervous system. And so I learned all of these psychic abilities and empathic abilities to track my environment around me so that I could see how people are feeling around me, see what's going on around me and all the multidimensional ways to make sure I was going to be safe, to make yes. sure I was going to be okay. And I didn't understand that at the time. I didn't know. I, you don't know what you don't know. I just was, right. I thought that that was just how everybody was, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, I didn't, even as a teenager, I'm just like, how are other people having such an easier time? It seems like at living, I don't understand. I just felt so anxious. I couldn't breathe, you know, walking out into the city. I grew up in San Francisco and it's like, I just was so anxious and I didn't understand what was wrong with me. And it, it seemed like everyone else got some kind of you know, manual that I just didn't, I didn't have. And so, um, but yeah, young, as a a young child, I just, I was, I felt very alone. I was alone. I think physically a lot, like in my own space, 
I have memories of just playing with my toys and my dolls and creating these imaginary worlds for hours and hours and hours. And that felt more real to me than, you know, going to school and being with other humans like that. It just always felt very strange relating with other people. And I also remember having a lot of anxiety about fitting in and belonging. Prior to going to school, I was like dressing up in cool costumes and having my imagination, playtime, having a blast. And then when I got to school and I was around other kids, I felt so judged. And I developed this insecurity that I it just was probably worse than anyone else around me. Just such an intense self-consciousness of like, how are other people seeing me? How are other people perceiving me? Sourcing my value based on what I thought other people's experience was of me. And that just started really young and with some bullying and, you know, some other stuff in there and a lot of body dysmorphia, just a lot of, a lot of struggle, like being in this body and feeling like what's wrong with my body. It looks weird. It feels weird. I'm so tall. Like I feel so strange and a lot, very physically just like uncomfortable, very uncomfortable for a lot of my life, a lot of problems with digestion. And, but again, I just thought this is what it's like to be in a body. I didn't know anything different, you know, and and I didn't know like, and my parents did the best they could, but I also ate a lot of processed food and probably had like leaky gut and candida and all these other things that I learned later really affect your emotional and energetic body. Yes. Yes. And and so, yeah, when I was 14 and I got into high school, I'm like, and I was in this really, you know, I, I got the scholarship to go to this like amazing school in San Francisco, like the best school, amazing education, incredible opportunity. And I love school. I'm really smart. And I, you know, I loved, I loved that. But the cultural initiation of being in that type of environment was really stressful, you know, because I was so tapped into like privilege and elitism and inequality. And it was just all there, all the problems of the world that I had felt my whole life psychically was like in my face at this high school that I was in, that I felt complicit almost. I felt like I was part of the problem of like the world of you know, that when I was a little kid and I couldn't sleep because of the homeless people or, you know, the people are hungry and just these world problems weighted, they weighed so heavy on me more than I think any child should have ever had to like experience or process. And, and yet that was my reality. And then in high school, it was just on a whole other level. And I just found such great purpose and relief in partying and drinking and, you know, just turning off really. And, in a way, turning off, but in a way, like soothing my anxiety so that yes. I could actually tune in and I could actually like, especially through drugs, like tune into a higher energy, which is what I was really, I was seeking God. I didn't know yes. it, but I was just wanting to feel at home. Yes, absolutely. I'm just nodding my head as you're speaking about <laughs> everything you're saying. I was actually, it's funny. I was, I was recording, I was doing an interview with somebody just like the other day. And I made an observation that was really similar that I didn't realize myself that I was so different from other children until I went to school, until I was surrounded by all the kids. And I'm like, I am not like any of those other kids. So I I find it interesting that you had a very similar experience where it was like, you're just being you doing your thing until you get to school. And then all of a sudden you're like, this is awkward. This is really uncomfortable. This is really weird. So I just, I, I feel you so strongly Mm -hmm. about everything that you are saying. And I also really love how you are talking about, or you were talking about sort of the, I don't know, like the multifaceted aspect of addiction that on one level, it's about self-soothing, about numbing, about avoiding, about kind of getting out of the discomfort 
But on another level, it's about achieving that altered state, connecting with something greater than ourselves. I know personally that I learned a lot when I was younger from, you know, like my psychic abilities. And I think especially like my telepathic abilities really grew from smoking weed. Then it stopped working, (laughs) but it was a very valuable teacher for a period of time. So I can really relate to both sides of that myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And I I mean, again, I didn't learn a lot of what I just said until like years later after getting sober and the first step was to clean my body. You know, I had to like, that was it. Like I had to get cleaned out and just, and it took a long time. I, another thing I actually talk about this in my new book that dawned on me a few years ago was like, what else was happening at age 14 that led me to like, you know, really go hardcore into drinking and drugs and why? And because when I first started bleeding, you know, I got my first moon cycle at like maybe 14 and I was bleeding for like maybe two weeks or three weeks, which is totally normal as the body's getting used to its new cycle. But my parents, you know, meaning well, of course, they take me to a, a guy doctor and he's like, let's put her on birth control. You know, so I got put on birth control at age 14 for my first cycle. Yeah. And I, my, my whole essence is about being intuitive, right? It's about Mm -hmm. connection to the natural cycles of the planet, connection to the cycles of my body. So I got put on birth control, just thinking that's what I needed. Cause again, there's something wrong with my body. We need to fix it with a pill. I need to fix it with something. And I was disconnected from my being like completely. And, and so there's this other layer of like, not only do I not fit into this world out here, but I also don't fit in with myself. I am yes. disconnected from myself. So it led to this even stronger desire to try to, to try to connect with like anything, you know, anything. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, the whole thing of putting somebody on hormones, especially at 14 for your very first, I mean, I was just sitting there with my mouth wide open <laughs> because that just feels so incredibly wrong to me. Hopefully mm. doctors are not doing that in the same way now that they were doing it then. But I am, I just, it's like not only you're, you're disconnecting, but you're also being thrown into this artificial rhythm that has nothing to do with being tuned into the moon and tuned into the rhythms of the earth and all of the things that's just your natural tendencies I can't even imagine. Yeah. It took me about a year to detox from it. So that was around the time I started working, you know, doing energy work and learn, I learned about being an empath and I, and then I was like, okay, and and a piece of that journey. So I learned about being an empath. I had the transformative, you know, life-changing Reiki session. I started working with this woman as my first life coach, like health coach. And then the first thing she had me do was a a very deep cleanse with a holistic chiropractor with supplements, changing my diet all of it, cleaning out sugar, caffeine, heavy metal detox, rebalancing my gut. And part of that I realized too, was like, I have to get off this birth control. I had been instilled with so much fear that independency on that from all the programming and 10 years and whatever. And I was like, I have to get this stuff is also creating my anxiety. This is also a source of the problem. I need to clean this out. And that took a long time to detox from those chemicals and just, you know, come back to my natural cycle and and that is really when I started feeling better. Yes. Oh, God, everything you are saying, I'm just nodding my head and relate you now and relating to it. Mm. I 
I was on birth control pills, not for as long as you were, and it messed with my system so much. And I went through a similar thing where as I started to go towards my healing journey, it became really apparent that there were things that I I needed to detox from and birth control pills was one of them as well. I lost my period for like, I think two years in my like late twenties, early, like my late twenties, I didn't have a period for a, for a couple years that I believe strongly was related to the fact that I'd been on these, you know, these artificial hormones. So, mm-hmm. but I, and you were on them for 10 years. I'm not at all surprised that it really took your body time to find her way back to balance. You know, it just, it's so interesting how it correlates to the drugs and the alcohol. I just, I really feel like the birth control was actually the catalyst. Like yeah. it was really, and, and so I feel really strongly about speaking into this because there's mm-hmm. so much cultural conditioning about controlling the woman's body and like you could just get pregnant overnight you know anytime and and there's just so much conditioning and misinformation and fear and and right, I actually right. feel like it's designed intentionally to really disempower women especially from our true essence and our our true power which is our intuitive ability and cyclical connection to the earth and connection to consciousness and that we're really meant to be leaders of this planet and leaders of creation. And so, and I'm not a doctor, but this has been my experience. And I I think the more I speak about it, I hear other people who really relate and also are seeing through, you know, the, the different conditioning at play and that it's like, this is the way we can really take our power back is to like really sync up with our body cycles and understand like, when is my fertile window? If like preventing a pregnancy is the issue, or if there's some kind of hormonal balance, like, you know, off balance, it's like, how can I heal that with a a natural solution? Like for me, I found the natural solution in food. I had a leaky gut my whole life. I didn't even know about because I was eating all this food that nobody knows. It's just toxic. It's just processed, but it's cheap and it's affordable. It's just easy to make. And, but it's like, we have to pay attention to these things, especially as sensitive beings. And yeah, it is kind of more work, I guess, but in the way that our culture, you know, instills in us this idea that everything can just be fast food and instant gratification and easy. But actually what I think is needed is a consciousness shift of like, okay, wait a minute. My body is my number one priority in this life. I'm literally alive only because I have a body, not, it's not my mind. I am only here to be in a body. And this has been a very long, you know, deep message of the last, I would say two years in my journey, especially it's like, Nothing else matters but to be in your body and to take care of your body. Literally, mm. nothing else matters. And our whole world is going to tell us money, you know, power, success, love, like relationships, accolades, whatever. And none of it matters. None of it matters if you don't have your body and if you don't feel good in your body. And if you don't feel good in your body, you can't actually make clear decisions that are, you know, going to lead you to live your purpose or lead you to feel successful or lead you to be wealthy. And I know it sounds so simple, but to like get it on a visceral level, is just like, I continue to be shown like, this is all that matters. I, uh, everything you are saying, I just, I am in such agreement with you and I find you know, and it's interesting because we, you know, there's so much, so many people within the spiritual world are, I think, use spirituality as a way to bypass their body and to spend time, to spend time kind of like, sort of like, if you can think it, you can be it. And <laughs> I love the fact that you, you are really just saying, you know, if you don't have a body and you don't honor the body, all of the rest is gravy. It does not matter. 
you know, as you're speaking about the fear of getting pregnant and this sort of like way that women are kind of fear-mongered into being on birth control pills and use it and all of that, I was thinking, you know, the piece that's so missing from that equation is boundaries. And the idea that like, we cannot, we don't just suddenly like wake up one day and fall pregnant. The only way you can get pregnant is by having an engage, you know, having sex with a man, like, or a person of male gender or, or, or male, male, like has the male body parts, you know, that that's the only way. And it's so funny how much the idea of the fear of getting pregnant does not necessarily raise the thing of like, of, of trusting our own boundaries, because really, if we trust our boundaries and can set those limits and say, no, why do we need birth control? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It just, you know, so much of what's unraveling in our, you know, collective consciousness conditioning has to do with personal responsibility, discernment, personal power. It's like, who are we when we're embodied in our power and we're authentic and we're listening to what is true for us? And we don't let other people tell us what to do. And we have consenting, conscious, responsible relationships and we are in tune with our body cycles and we know what's happening and we're in an intimate partnership where we can communicate also very clearly like, Hey, this, we're not doing any penetration now. Cause here's my fertile window. It's only this specific window. It's not all the time, but it, it's, we're not taught this, you know, and this is what mm-hmm. we're meant to bring in. This is what, you know, myself, you, everyone listening. It's like, if you're resonating with this frequency, it's because we're meant to bring it into this, this earth into their collective consciousness more. And we're meant to be examples of this. And it, and it's going to trigger people. It's going to trigger people when you're in your power, when you are setting boundaries, when you are authentic, it's going to trigger people that are not, you know, they're disempowered, but this is also part of the process. And I would say also for those identifying as empaths, it's like, we're here to trigger people. Actually, when you're an empowered I don't even really use the word empath anymore. I kind of like evolved a little bit out of that, the labeling and it helps Mm -hmm. me for a time, but I don't, I just understand our abilities are so much more multidimensional than what a word can even describe. And my ability to feel clairsentiently what other people are feeling is like connected to so many other gifts. It's, it's just far beyond, but to be empowered in your empathic ability and your clairvoyant ability and whatever intuitive abilities and your sensitivity, it just means to be empowered in your authentic essence, to be who you are, to know how you are, to know what you need to feel good, to know what you need to be supported, to take responsibility for that. And then you're in your power and that your example is going to trigger people who are not in their power, but it's a part of the gift actually that you're meant to give people is to wake them up out of the sleep that they didn't even know that they were in, you know? So I just, I really feel like empaths, especially it's like, we are here to be such lights, like big radiant shining lights. We have this capacity for deep feeling, huge open hearts. You know, once we start to take care of ourselves and we start to feel better, it's like the superpower of deep feeling feeling better. As you say, I love that. That cracks me up feeling better, but we actually can feel better. And then we can feel even better, like on all levels. And then we can have all of these great gifts come through, which are so needed on the planet right now. Do you know how many people are just like suffering in loneliness and depression and disconnection and disassociation? And, you know, we have the medicine, like when you're connected in your heart and you have the capacity to feel and be an attuned presence, This is like transcendent healing and there's nothing needed more right now. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about triggering people 
And how do you navigate that? Because, you know, it's one thing to talk about it in theory. It's another thing mm-hmm. to like record, uh, you know, record something on social media and get like slammed by it. I'd love to hear, like, how do you navigate when being an empowered activates that distress in somebody else? Well, usually I would say as we deepen into more authenticity and more of our, you know, our, our truth and we start to take better care of ourselves and feel good. It's like, we're naturally just without even trying going to show up in the world in a way that shines a very clear mirror (laughs) to other people. And they may not be aware of this, but that's essentially what we're doing as we become more clear on all levels. And we're just more present more grounded, more out ourselves we are naturally going to be a clear mirror into other people's unconscious ways in which they are not being themselves into ways they are not taking care of themselves. You know, they're, they're seeing on some level. I'm fascinated by this too, because it's just my whole life, so much people pleasing and performative stuff and just trying to, what do I have to do to get you to like me? And, you know, classic Mm. empathic strategies of like, I can feel how you're feeling towards me and I need you to like me. So I feel like I value myself and all of this. And and then, oh my gosh, it would have, it was used to be so uncomfortable for me to feel um, if someone wasn't responding to me in the way that I needed to feel validated, to feel is even deeper than that, to feel like validated, like I exist. It goes down to that level of like the core wound of not feeling like I exist unless someone gives me attention in a certain way. Yes. And um, you know, and that that took a long time to really unwind. Mm-hmm. And I found that the, cause I would take everything so personally, and then I would yes. have all these other strategies of like, you know, pandering to them, giving them extra attention, being really nice, just not, not authentic, you know, just always everything moving from this place of survival instead of yes. authentic desire and inspiration. And so what really helped me was to, well, first start taking care of the body, feeling more and more clear, really, you know, keeping my attention more on myself really deepening in this understanding of like, I'm here for me. I'm really, it's just me. And this is my show. Like this is, I need to be grounded and connected to myself, no matter what, how do I prioritize this connection to my soul, my heart, my body above all else as best I can. And then only from that place of connection, go out into the world and interface with other people. And then still getting hurt, taking things personally, getting projected on, projecting, you know, creating the mess and the confusion. It takes two to tango and and getting caught up a lot in comparison and, and distorted ways of seeking value and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, the, the number one thing that has really helped the most was it's funny that this is coming up somehow to say, but I'll just say it. Um, what really changed everything was to start watching myself on video. I had made all these live streams and videos and things for years. And a teacher of mine suggested I like do this practice of actually watching my mm. own videos, which was so hard to do because I, I didn't realize how much self-criticism, self-hatred, shame watching myself on the video would bring up all of this unconscious energy that I didn't know I was always harboring. That was actually the catalyst for seeking all the validation outside because I wasn't able to get it from inside in a way that felt real. So somehow just for me and my makeup, I don't know if this works for everyone. It it does work for a lot of people I suggested to though, watching yourself on a video and, and just being with those energies of the shame, the hate, the criticism, whatever it is, anxiety, annoyance, and just ex- accepting, like, you know, feeling it like, okay, yeah. And then letting this inner protector, this inner parent, 
energy strengthen more within that's like, wait a minute, like, wow, that's, that's a lot. That's a shame or anger. Like, wow, that's so intense. Like, let's bring some compassion here. Like, I can really see that you were trying your best here and you, you know, you, this is beautiful. You're just trying to help like soothing in a real way yeah. from yes. an inter- internal resource. And I did that for a long time. It was a bit of a spiritual practice, like devotional practice to do that. Cause I just had a lot coming up and that changed, that changed the way that I orient to that sense of the inner resource so that I wasn't seeking the attention or the validation outside so much. And then I wasn't really available for like, even being caught up if people are getting triggered in my presence, which is again, guaranteed. If you're going to be an embodied, authentic, powerful being on this planet at this time, you're going to trigger the shit out of people. It's just the way the game is rigged. And it's to help wake them up out of their own stupor and their own confusion and their own games that they don't even know they're complicit in, you know, and it's how we're all actually helping each other. When we're more embodied as ourselves in our power, we are helping everyone else learn to attune to that, whether they want it or not, it's where we're all headed eventually. So it's inevitable. And so it's our responsibility to build that inner resource to like move through the world in a way where it's, and I'm, you know, I'm not an expert in this. I still have stuff that comes up. That's really challenging where I'm like, Oh my God, I care about how this is seen. Or like, you know, my new book just came out, like how it's vulnerable. Like what do people think, you know, it'll still come up, but my inner resource the inner parent, the inner protector gets to be stronger and stronger. And that's what I listen to more, you know, or I have advisors and friends that I can check in with and be like, this is coming up right now. I need a reminder of like the inner resource and what's true. And that, that self-soothing that I can really believe in self-source so that whatever anyone else is going through, it's none of my business. If they're triggered by me, cool. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and I'm wondering, as you have really been learned how to find that validation within yourself, instead of going outside of yourself, and instead of, as you were saying, pandering, which I love that (laughs) you use pandering, are you noticing that the way people are triggered has is different? Like, are you noticing that maybe you're not manifesting the same level of like, you know, n- trolls or nasty comments or like, is there a difference? Is there a difference as you've, as you claim yourself, have you noticed a difference in how like sort of the energy of that triggering? Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. And you're kind of alluding into this like cool subconscious dimension that I love to try to give words to because it's so it's like the unseen, right? It's like 90% yeah. of our communication is telepathic or body language. It's nonverbal. And it's like all this yeah. other energetic stuff we're all tracking. And it's all like what's really going on. What's really and going so, on. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, earlier on, I probably used to attract a lot more of plus like whatever we're triggering is like something in us too, that we're like summoning forth to be brought into more conscious awareness to heal. So it's not just like, Oh, the other people are triggered. It's like, okay, something in me too, is like maybe coming up to be more empowered or it's energetic circuit. It's like, okay, what is my side of the street in this game and this mirror? It's one in the same, right? It's like, yes, I have some, I have some open-ended thing that's like there and available to like catch someone who's just like a trip wire or a trigger, but they're just activating some part of me that like, I'm, I'm available for having that energy unresolved, or it's open to be explored in some way, or it's, you know, some trauma coming up to integrate. And, you know, so it's, it's always, it's a two-way mirror. And I think earlier on, I used to like attract, I would always kind of like be really sensitive to people who I didn't, I perceive that they just didn't like me. 
And that mm-hmm. really bothered me. I had this like idea that I just needed every, everybody to like me, to love me, like everybody. And then we'd be okay. And that makes sense from the childhood standpoint of like, I need mom and dad's attention. Right. But I would right. like, project right. that onto everybody unknowingly. And no wonder I felt so uncomfortable because it actually, you really unravel that. It's like, do I want everybody to like me? Do I want all that attention? Like, right. no way. That doesn't feel good at all. Like, so, and and now it's more like, um, well, honestly, the triggers that I might attract, like I'm aware of them to an extent of like, it's like the stuff I'm working on in myself and my own spiritual journey. It's like probably the theme of, um, you know, not enough is is still a thing. That's a very deep one. I, I work on at deeper levels. It's like when I don't feel like I'm enough, I, I will get triggered personally by people that embody a lot of value. Like they just are owning their value. They're owning their power. They're owning, they're just showing up in a really powerful, present, attuned way. And I'm like, if I'm not in my essence, my, that triggered wound can be like comparing myself to them, measuring up, putting them down even to like put myself above them, like, oh, they're not really real or whatever. And and that doesn't actually feel good because those are usually the people I'm meant to really like be in collaboration with in some way mm-hmm. or meant to do some mm-hmm. big transmutation with. And then I'm sure people get triggered by me in that way. They get, well, I know this from some of my students where I've unraveled some of this stuff with them. Like they'll get triggered by my ability to like just sometimes really speak very directly Mm-hmm. If you know, especially if I'm guiding a session or something, or just speak and sometimes speaking when I'm really, you know, my essence is very penetrative and very fierce and direct and clear. And sometimes that can really bother people who are used yes. to having, especially a, a woman, a feminine presenting being, communicate in a more nice girl, sweet, approachable way, diplomatic. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So that can really bring up a lot for people about how they're not being clear and direct and embodied in their truth and like asking for what they want. Absolutely. I'm just out of curiosity. What is your Zodiac sign? When were you? Yeah. So you named it like the diplomatic. I'm like a classic dip. All of my shadow stuff is like classic Libra. Just like, I want everybody to like me and collaboration (laughs) and harmony and diplomat and all of it. It's hilarious. And then I'm, I guess you have Zodiac. So that's a rabbit. Nice. So, um, yeah. And with Libra, I, I actually have a brother who's a Libra and just like mm-hmm. that, being the mediator, being the, you know, being the manager, being the person who's always going in and looking at all the sides and bringing it together, um, you know, and, but I, I'm struck by how with that Libra, the bluntness within you, I wonder, I mean, this is not, not, not a program geared towards like reading people's astrology charts, but I am <laughs> I wonder, I'm sort of thinking about like what your moon and your rising sign are as well. And just like how that feeds into your bluntness. I'm a Capricorn sun. And so bluntness is my middle name. And um, I totally hear you. Like some people just, you know, they're so used to everything being couched with politeness and niceties. They, it's really intense for them to just speak the truth or be asked to speak the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Another way I really trigger people is by like, um, I, this has been very recent too, or I noticed it like in one of my, I love facilitating events and retreats and I just love being in person. Online's awesome too. We can have these great connections, but I just, I love in person playing in the field and which you've got a you've got a really special oh, yeah, in person yeah. event coming up really <laughs> soon. That's coming up in Bali in November. And, and, but yeah. What I was going to say is like, you know, I can trigger people in this environment in person where 
there's almost, it's like my inner trickster comes out and it's actually one of my greatest gifts, but, and I, I can tell that it will trigger people who are used to needing to have a lot of direction or a sense of like control or like, you know, we're, we're conditioned in a way in certain event experiences, for example, to have like the agenda or the, the, you know, you need to know like the container of exactly what's going to happen. And I've been playing with like, really just letting all of that go and just being a model of like listening to spirit, being present. Yes, we have an intention. We have a very clear grounded container energetically, but in terms of what can happen, it's anything and everyone's invited to contribute. And that can really freak people out who are very connected or attached to control or needing to know how things are going to go. And that goes really deep. That brings up a lot of other patterning and survival body stuff. And, and, but I just love to play that way. And actually it's so effective for unwinding so many of our core wound traumas and operating systems when we're invited to be in this more playful, present, childlike state. I actually feel like it's, it's what we all really want and that there it's rare to be given the invitation by someone, you know, that, that can really hold that space and just like, and so much shame gets transmuted. You know, it's like, wow, people just get to drop the masks and they just get to be like, enjoy. So that's just one of my favorite ways to, to work with all of this stuff. And just like in a two hour long, you know, these are my book events I've been doing lately. It's like a two hour event and it's like so much can move and clear. And at the end, everyone just can't even stop hanging out and connecting because their hearts are so open and they feel so themselves. And there's just been this like opening of the field for such depth and love, you know, and I just love that. Mm. Oh, I'm just (laughs) soaking all of this in. I'm thinking about, as you were speaking about, you know, it seems to me that I just came back from a writing retreat and that was really interesting in the sense that the facilitator creates a really tight really, really solid, safe container that feels like on first glance, very structureless. But it's the paradox is in order to create a space where spirit, you you respond to the cues of spirit and you don't have an agenda, there definitely needs to be a lot of mastery in holding the space for a container. And so it's kind of, I think that there are people who who tend to conflate the idea of control and agenda with mastery. And the, the irony is that like that need to have an agenda, to have like, okay, we're going to hit all these bullet points, I think is actually the training wheels that we need to use before we're in a place where we can set up the container and trust that it is good and solid, and then see where does the energy direct us. And mm-hmm. I I can so relate to that because there are certain, I, I teach, one thing that I teach is EFT, where I have to follow a very specific mm-hmm. curriculum because mm-hmm. I'm doing it based on a system. And it's so different than when we just create the container, we create the space, and it's like, what's ready to pop today? Like, let's work with yeah. the popcorn kernel that's like blowing up. Mm-hmm. And not try to be like that popcorn kernel is a thing we should work with. So I mm-hmm. love how you are talking about this, but also how triggering it can be for people who are so used to living with like, it's almost like you have to have an agenda in order to feel safe. Or like you have to be told what to do to know how to show up in the world. That's really what it is. And I'm like, let's break that down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I would love to, this conversation is whipping by 
And before we get to the point where I say, oh my God, I can't believe how much time has gone by in this conversation. (laughs) I really do want to talk about ascension. And I want to talk about like your experience with ascension. I guess maybe even starting with like, how would somebody know that they're going through an ascension? What is that? You know, what are the signs of ascension? Just tuning into what feels most true to share with this particular audience and what would be most helpful. It's kind of different in every day and context. Ascension is the embodied journey of your essence coming into form. So it's like allowing your soul to come into the body mm. and to fully inhabit, to fully inhabit your form, to really be all the way here, to allow your essence, your soul, your divinity to land and to be at home here in this body, in this realm. And how do you know if that's happening? It's happening. It's inevitably occurring now because you're alive on earth right now and you're listening to these words. It's happening. And you may feel so much more than you've ever felt. And you may feel all kinds of new sensations happening in the body as your access to your full capacity of a multidimensional body comes online. You may feel more capacity of your emotional body, physical sensations, psychic abilities, intuitive abilities, all kinds of things that we don't even have words for in our very limited language. (laughs) And you may feel, I would say also at this time, like a much greater capacity for, you know, all along the whole emotional like spectrum, but also like a lot of love. People are having these heart awakening moments of like bliss and just samadhi and just like oneness and just the capacity to remember who we are as spiritual beings. And then also we have the capacity to feel into the depths of like dark unconscious stuff that we've been maybe repressing for lifetimes or that we're cleaning out from our lineage, from our cellular memory, wiping off of our DNA. And it's all here and we're learning and remembering rather to not like judge any of it. Like, oh, it's just information. It's information. I'm a supercomputer. I have a lot of information. I learned to judge it at some level. I was conditioned to judge it all and make sense of it all. But A lot of it is just like streaming information. It's meant to stream through. And then there's something kind of like more real that we can access, like beyond the data streams, beyond all the inputs and stimuli, other people's energies, whatever planetary energies we're feeling. It's like the essence of who we are. Like, what's that? Like, I want to know that. I want to feel that. I want to be that. I want to connect with that in others. Like, that's why I'm here. I really really love your explanation and your definition of ascension as the idea that like the connection with ascension and embodiment because i i have heard i think there are so many people who perceive ascension as transcending the body and i love that you are really like no this is about ownership of the body and Many years ago, I was facilitating a breathwork session with somebody who was very much like a Gnostic and very much about the the separation of body and mind. And I had this experience where I could really see that the embracing of the body is the key to all of it. The understanding of what our bodies truly are as opposed to the illusions that we buy into about it. And I really appreciate, just really appreciate how you are holding this torch of love and light up 
about ascension being about embodiment instead of this dissociative, I'm not a body, I'm a mind that (laughs) we do see in certain Mm -hmm. places on the planet, right? So thank you so much for that exquisite and incredibly eloquent explanation of that. (laughs) Yeah, thank you to all my guides. And they just came in like, that's what it is today. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. It's like that's 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 been my life. I was disassociated and didn't want to be here and you know, take beam me up. I'm done. This is horrible, you know. And and then it's like, wait, okay, I I do really want to be here. I'm yeah. I'm here, my soul's here. And if I left, I would just have to come back again. Like, let's just do it this time, you know, let's get like, it done. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. yeah, like let's get totally. it done. And so what does yeah. that actually mean? And and so all of my work is like, it's about, and funny enough, it's like being in the body, the deeper you go in the body, the more expansive your multidimensional abilities get. That's been my experience. That's been the experience I, you know, train students and facilitation. It's like through the body, through anchoring more into our body, into the earth, more into this structure, we actually then have a much more grounded foundation from which we can expand even further into these like transcendent celestial realms and extra, you know, omniversal realms and just all kinds of cool stuff. And, you know, I wonder, I have a curiosity. My sense is like a lot of the jargon around ascension and the ways that it's referred to and in practice in different spiritual traditions, it was about like transcending the body and you ascend by like your spirit leaves the body and goes back up to heaven or wherever. Right. And I wonder if it was, that was the way things were on the planet for a time, because the body was actually conditioned to be in such a density and the energy on the planet was just too dense where our spirit and all of its frequency that it comes to bring through, like it couldn't actually embody. It didn't, Mm -hmm. it couldn't integrate. It could not fully integrate into physicality and have these transcendent experiences. There needed to be, it was only possible with some kind of a differentiation that allowed that our energy to then go into the, you know, more resonant fields where it could transcend and explore and expand. But now earth has ascended. Earth is ascending. It's beyond, it's far beyond, you know, we're attuning with these like higher frequency experiences and expressions in such a way at such a pace we've never seen before and it's like designed for our body to actually be a vehicle through which our spirit can explore and experience and feel so much more so much more as through physicality we came in to feel through the body we came in to sense to taste to touch to to smell like all these senses like this is this is why we're alive is actually to just you know, on some level, yeah, we have purposes, dharma, all these other fun things the soul wants to learn. It's great. But like the bigger thing I think we're really here for in this incarnation is to like fully enjoy these senses. Yeah. The senses we have, we do not have anywhere else but mm-hmm. Earth. Mm-hmm. We don't have it anywhere else. We like mm-hmm. came here for the greatest show of yeah. like sensory exploration. That's like hearing music, tasting food dancing, sweating, crying, being anger, feeling, feeling the rage, like all of it, like, it's just not possible anywhere else. Oh, uh, <laughs> okay. Now it really is that point in time. Where go, <laughs> oh my goodness, Sydney, I can't believe how fast the time has gone. And I really need it. I can't believe how fast the time has gone. So I always want to be sure to ask the question, what feels really important to share? Is there something that you just know you need to say 
before we complete this conversation. Yeah, just like invitation to take really deep breaths and really feel the fullness of your breath and feel the fullness of your being and the cells lighting up and just expanding your capacity to receive light, to receive all the light that you are, to receive all the light that you always have been, to allow your mind to really subside, to subside in a way that it maybe never has, to like we're learning to allow the mind to subside. They always say to lose your mind, be safe to know that it's okay to lose your mind. So lose your mind is actually a really healthy pursuit at this time. Like lose your mind. Lose your mind. Deep, yeah, yeah. And deepen in the breath and and working with light. This is coming through to say it to your group specifically. It's like working with light in the way that you uniquely, I'm like clearing my throat as I say that. It's like a lot of people listening to this are getting major throat chakra openings, clearings, heart opening, clearing. And it's because you're being asked to speak and be more of a leader and be more of a a channel that you are and to share like your song, your voice, whatever that is for you and assist your body in this healing process by working with light in whatever way you intuitively feel guided to do that. And maybe that you call in different colors or rays or energies of light they feel, or they sense, or they are colored a different way and, and trust that this is actually a specific technology that you can work with in your way to facilitate incredible regeneration and opening and transmutation in your body. And it's, it's, it's real. It's actually, this is like the real medicine. It's like realer pills, you know, (laughs) this has a little reminder there. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh, Sydney, this has been such a rich conversation. So one of the things that I always love to do with, with most of my podcasts is I really believe that podcasts exist outside of that, you know, the interview is going, this is, people are going to be listening to this years after everybody's been off in Bali at the retreat. And but I also believe, I also believe that um, podcasts have a way of folding the fabric of time or the ribbon of time back on itself as well. And then I believe we can send a message back to a part of you that really needs to hear it. So Knowing that we are sending messages forward and back in time, who are you going, what what part of you, what age are you, who are you going to go back to give a message to? And what does she need to hear? What are you going to tell her? Wow, it's funny. I just felt like myself in five years really strongly too, but then I, I feel mm, the 14 If you want to... Nothing like the throat chakra clearing. <laughs> yeah, we just did it. Yeah, I feel my yeah. 14 year old really strongly because we just talked about her. And yeah, that's that's just such a, a hard time, you know. So I would just say I call her and I just wrap her up in my arms and I love her so much. And I'm like wrapping my big angel wings around her. It's like, Sid, this is a really hard time. This is a really hard. It sucks. It's going to suck for a while. And you have everything you need to get through this. And there's nothing you could do wrong. And there's nothing to be ashamed about. And there's nothing wrong with you. You are brilliant. You are a genius. You are creative beyond and you are so loved and you are literally being watched over by more beings than you could even fathom. And you are so guided and you are so protected and you are so loved. Mm, That is gorgeous. Okay. Mm -hmm. Since you felt yourself being pulled forward five (laughs) years from now, what is the message, the conversation, maybe it's more of a conversation (laughs) with your future self? Yeah. Well, future self is actually telling me now, like, yeah, you know who you are. You know who you are. Kind of like sitting me down. She's like, you know who you are. You know where you're going. You know what you're here for. Get ready. It's going to be awesome. 
Mm. And keep doing, keep doing what you're doing. Stay focused, stay grounded, get more grounded, and then get even more grounded and get ready. <laughs> get more <laughs> grounded. So <laughs> get more grounded. Yeah. And get even more grounded. And yeah. get ready. <laughs> oh, Sydney, this conversation has just been so delicious. It has been so rich. I really, really have appreciated it. So I always like to ask, how can people get in touch with you? Oh, thank you. Yeah, such a pleasure. I can't believe that went by. That was so, I'm like, really? Wow. Yeah. Quantum hour. We um, bent time. <laughs> yeah, we totally did. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. It was such a, such a pleasure. Yeah. The best way to connect is just on my website, sydneycampos.com. And then my new book, I'm Ascending Now What? Is that what, that's the website. I'm Ascending Now What?.com. And and then, as you mentioned so beautifully, I do have a retreat coming up in Bali, November 5th through 12th. And this is uh, called Essentia, which is all about embodying heaven on earth through our body. And we're mm. going to be uh, on site at a luxury spa for eight days in Bali and Ubud, where I used to live, and doing a lot of work with the water and water ceremonies and sacred temples. Just beautiful time to really nurture ourselves and get body work and have delicious food and movement, meditation, breath work and play and, you know, quantum healing. And I'll do some instruction and some of the modalities that I love, but really time to anchor into your vision and purpose and like, and what is your soul really desiring to express and experience and have like a day of silent silence in the middle of the week, which I just love to do. And just that time to just be nurtured and to be in your own field, your own energy. You know, it's just like, it's my favorite thing. So it's going to be a blast. I can't wait. <laughs> oh, it sounds absolutely heavenly. I have this <laughs> image as you were describing it. You were talking about the water ceremonies. I saw these beautiful mm. hot pink, like just Barbie pink. <laughs> it's Aww. so popular these days. But these beautiful, beautiful pink lotuses with yeah. light sort of shining through the petals and just floating mm -hmm. on water. And um, and I could see you. I don't know if you have like a really beautiful, like beautiful pink, like gown or robe, but mm -hmm. I just I have this image of you just in these flowing, mm -hmm. in this beautiful, soft, flowing robe mm -hmm. or dress, however you'd want to define it, gown. And just these beautiful pink lotuses just floating on the water and and just this so much light. It Aww. sounds just divine. I <laughs> Oh, thank you. Yeah, you're tapping uh, in with the Saraswati Temple, which has giant pink lotuses all over it. Yeah, it, 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 that's it. That's like the frequency. And the pink lotus is the frequency of the heart. Yeah. Really allowing our heart to fully open. So not just like love in our in ourselves and in our lives, but celestial love. It's like I go to Bali as the, it's a spiritual recharging station for many celestial beings. And it's like yes. you go there, you go there to deeply recharge and recalibrate and just refill our cup. And this pink energy is it's a very specific energy that I work with as well. It's like a rose gold, and then there's a hot pink magenta ray, and it's like yeah. all about healing the heart, healing the mother line, healing the womb. So right on. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and um, I'm imagining that this is a, 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 there's limited spaces at that retreat so that if people want to join you, they oh. should probably jump on it sooner than later. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much. I love to host really intimate groups. I also yeah. love big groups, but for, for Bali, it's, 
it's like taking people home to a sanctuary. It's like a pilgrimage. So it's really intimate. It's going to be eight people, which is oh awesome. my goodness. We get to be really dropped in really deep and just, it just feels like family really. It's like a family reunion in a way. And so we have, um, I think we're about half full actually. So just a few more spots. We could make a little bit more room if there's a few more people that want to come, but it's going to be a really intimate group. Oh, it sounds absolutely heavenly. And I, just coming back from a, um, from the retreat I mentioned earlier, the writing mm-hmm. retreat that was about the same number of people, there is mm-hmm. something so magical about being in those that sort of just really, really intimate group where there's just yeah. space for everybody. There's time for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Sydney, thank you mm-hmm. so much for being part of this <laughs> conversation with me, for sharing your insight, your wisdom, all of the wonderful things. You guys, if you are listening to this, and you want to get, you know, you want to get in touch with Sydney, obviously sydneycampos.com or I'm ascending now what.com. And also everything will be in the show notes so that you guys can access that, including I'll have some links for Sydney's books and stuff like that too. So you can just come on over to empathicmasteryshow.com to find all of the stuff. If you happen to be out and about and you can't just like immediately go to your phone and or your computer and just like, look at this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This has just been Mm. such a delight. As we come to the end of this episode, I'd love to hear what you're taking from this show. Please jump over to empathicmasteryshow.com to leave your comments. In the show notes, you'll find a link to grab your copy of My Empathic Safety Guide, Three Basics for Finding Calm in the Eye of the Storm. And while you're there, please subscribe and follow this show. And thank you for your help sharing this show with the people who need it. Please help me to spread the word and send this podcast to friends or family members who need support living as highly sensitive empathic people. Then join me again when the next Empathic Mastery Show airs. Okay, one last time, hop over to EmpathicMasteryShow.com for your empathic safety guide. And until next show, shine on. We need you and your gifts here on this planet. So please don't judge your empathic rainbow by colorblind standards.